a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber. Read for you by Sean Kennan. Stay free. And this is the Orca Book Club. Hello and welcome to this very special episode. This is actually a freestanding episode of Orca's Book Club. And joining us for this is my co-host, Chris Honeywell. Hello. I am Scott Gardner. And also joining us is Ken Morgan, known as Logan McLeod on the comicforums.com and co-host of the Too Old to Grow Up podcast, which you can find at tooldtogrowup.com and co-host of the Legion of Dudes podcast, which you may find at legionofdudes.com. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you. Hi. Am I, am I calling number seven? <laughs> yes, you are. You win a free car. Call you're on the air. Turn down your radio, please. <laughs> and we are gathered here today to discuss Star Wars Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber. This is the unabridged audiobook version of this book, and it is read by Sean Cannon. Do we just want to go round robin, or... Well, maybe I'll just give a little uh, Reader's Digest condensed version of the story. A really condensed, cool. Lipton condensed soup version of the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it basically it concerns the denizens of a, an Imperial prison ship, the Purge, that runs across a, a, a supposedly, apparently abandoned Star Destroyer. <laughs> and uh, you know they 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 need to pillage it for parts, and they end up picking up this deadly virus that turns people into zombies. So basically, it's a fight for fight for life against stormtrooper zombies and a whole star destroyer full of the hungry, hungry living dead. A sort of mixture of genres, popular genres, Star Wars and zombies. And you can't go wrong, right? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So, what, what did you think of this book? Oh too? boy! Well, it, it, horror is not my usual genre that I, I seek out or enjoy. I mean, I, I can watch a movie now and now and then and, and kind of enjoy it. So, this is Star Wars. I'm like, okay, I'm always up for a Star Wars book. So, I'm reading this uh-huh. uh, or listening to this, and I just find myself going through the standard horror checklist and ticking things off as I come across. So, we've got like. You know the the teenagers, the the hot smart chick, the uh, the old seasoned soldier who hates the world, um, and of course, then everything goes to heck, and then finally we get we get the virus. So we've got all the pieces in place, and and for most of the first half, I couldn't help but thinking, okay, yeah, it, it, it's Star Wars, but you could just as easily take out stormtrooper and throw in sol- just, just generic soldier, or take out star destroyer and put in battleship yeah. or whatever. And it can be said today. It, it, it wasn't anything that made it Star Wars other than the name. 
Um, well, on but, that on that uh, topic of what made it Star Wars, and before I go into this, I want to say big spoiler. Spoiler. I don't want to give away. I, I don't want to give away the ending of the story or anything like that or the who lives and who dies or anything like that. However, it's going to be absolutely impossible for me to talk about this book without spoiling at least one huge reveal. So I'm just telling people, if you haven't listened to it or read it, I'm going to spoil one big part of it. Now, before you spoil, I'm just going to point out that I knew that the that they were in the book i just didn't know where they were going to show up oh okay see i i really didn't know anything about this going in other than i had seen the trailer one of the trailers on i think it was they were all fan made i think weren't they they were just like a i believe so it was a contest yeah that's what i thought yeah yeah and uh and i was in a uh, bookstore borders i think it was and they had a really cool standee for the book when it when it came you know for the actual novel when it came out but beyond that, I knew basically nothing about this other than the premise of zombie stormtroopers, which I, I thought was really cool. I mean, I, I'm sure that there were people out there groaning and going, oh, Jesus, you know, well, zombies again, and now they're in Star Wars. But I thought the idea was cool. Well, when we were talking to George from Lucasfilm, he was really keen on the idea, too. Both of you guys were keen right. on the idea. And, right. Uh, I thought it had potential. And you'd both, and, and I just watched that trailer you guys were talking about, and the opening shot of it of the star destroyer just sort of floating in space is great it's creepy looking it's like star wars meets alien and uh it actually is sort of creeped out it actually has a little more of a creeped out feel than the book did Mm -hmm. in, in in some ways but i'm i'm getting ahead of myself anyway i really enjoyed it or, or was really enjoying it. And, and I felt like, yes, it was very standard horror, but what I liked about it was that it seemed to be taking kind of the Resident Evil, you know, the first Resident Evil movie approach, which was there was a very scientific reason for why this was happening that may or may not be complete bullshit, but it worked within the world that it was operating in. And I really liked that. And I was really getting into it. I, I thought the reading was very good, very dramatic, very uh, spooky and suspenseful. I I liked the sound effects and the music they were using in the background and stuff like that. And I was really into the story and and enjoying it. And then suddenly, and this is the big spoiler moment, the, uh, the doctor goes down into the lower levels of the ship when it's revealed that there's only a handful of people left at this particular point. And she's going to free the prisoners that are down in, uh, what is it, like solitary confinement. Solitary confinement, right. Yep. And she gets down there and she lets them out, and it's Han Solo and Chewbacca. And it took me right out of the book. It was like like somebody throwing cold water on you when you're having a great dream. Because, now don't get me wrong, I love Han Solo and Chewbacca, and I know that this was a Star Wars book, but I had no idea that they were going to be in this. And although I got over that, and I, I still did eventually, you know, I, I still liked the book. I ended up really enjoying it and all that. I never quite totally recovered from them being in it because there's absolutely no peril for Han Solo and Chewbacca. You know right, they're yeah. not going to die because this takes place actually prior to the first movie, I believe. You know, prior to, to Star sure Wars Episode like Four. It. But from the way the characters are acting, yeah, it's definitely before Star Wars. It's before they had any sort of 
linked to the Rebel Alliance for sure. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's it. There's no, I don't think there's anything in the book that specifically places it. From what little bit I've read online, just trying to find out where it seems to be in, it is before the Han Solo trilogy. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Before, before the third book. Like, in between the second and third books of that, I can't... Okay. I'm blanking on the name right now. Star Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the AC Legacy. Crispin... Rebel Dawn. It's, it's supposed to go between oh. the Hut Gambit and Rebel Dawn. And this is the other one, Chris. Because it's funny, I had the same conversation with somebody today one. that was asking me, was I going to read the Han Solo trilogy? And I was like, well, are you talking about the AC Crispin trilogy or the... Who was the writer on that? Brian I want to say Daly. Brian Daly. Brian was it Brian Daly? Daly? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, this person I was talking to had no idea what I was talking about because he's much younger than us. Yeah, but yeah, yeah just uh, I'll just throw it out there that I do not plan to reread the Brian Daly on Solo because <laughs> I just didn't dig them. Sorry. I wasn't a big but, fan uh, either. But you know, I I did I love the way Han and Chewie were portrayed in this. Don't get me wrong; I thought that the the writer re- really did a great job of. Well, the voice actor was very good too. The voice, very good. Yes, the voice he acting of he had the he had the whole delivery down, and I knew it was Han Solo as soon as I heard the first line out of him. Right. Because it was just like, oh, right. okay, I see where this is going right now. But for the same reason that you just said, Scott. All of a sudden, now I know there's two characters who aren't going to die, right? You know, so and one of the and I was ca- I was not fine. I wasn't, I wasn't even fine with that because I, I was obviously yes, they're going to they're going to survive. And like any you know horror book or movie I've always seen, someone's always going to survive. So I was less concerned about them for the same reasons, you know, and more concerned. Okay, who else is going to make it through? And they gave you a couple points where you thought someone was going to make it, or this one's going to live, or that one's going to die, and they. You know, they made it, especially with um, the one character. The brothers. Um, well, even not even the, the brother, the doctor. He's like, you know, you know the Zahara way she Cody. just showed up. <laughs> um, well, let, let me let me put it a different way. It, it's like um, my kids played this, this great video game series called Kingdom Hearts, which is mm-hmm. very much like Final Fantasy, but it has... It literally has Disney characters in right. it, like Mickey and Donald and Goofy and different ones. Or, this is even a weirder analogy, but say Terminator versus Superman. With those type of mashups, you know that it's only going to go so dark because of who the characters are that they're that they're crossing over with, like Superman or the Disney characters. So you know that while it is a darker interpretation using those characters, that it's not going to go to the places like, say, Terminator or Terminator 2 Judgment Day go as films, you know, with the swearing and with the violence and blood and things like that. And when we got to Han Solo and Chewbacca in this book, suddenly I felt like, damn it, now we're not going to get like an R-rated Star Wars zombie book. We're going to get maybe PG-13 at most. There was some R-rated gore in this one, and there was some oh, pretty yeah. descriptive, was. descriptive gore of like someone's head exploding and the flop of chunk of flesh hanging from an axis on his shoulder and just sort of flopping around, and Wookiees eating their young and and stuff like that. But that was all. But before Han Solo showed up, it was. Sort of following a Stephen King ratcheting up of horror, you know, type of thing. If there was anything that pulled me out of this book uh, more than just like I said, my little mental checklist of of standard horror novel stuff, because like when I was when I got to that part and I was kind of thinking to myself what was going on, I I think it was I forget which one you guys were talking about in your one episode, I think with uh, with George from uh, Lucasfilms. 
ah, about yes. like when when you get out of when you get out of uh the pulls you out of the movie and next thing you know you're seeing the shot you're seeing the, yeah. the cameraman and all that you're that right. far out i was almost like that i was like you know really kind of comparing to every other horror movie i've seen but the one th- thing that got me out of the the book more than that was all the life day references and i couldn't help but go to the go to the holiday special yeah right. me too yeah absolutely That's right i forgot you know, my mind blanked that out i think <laughs> yeah but despite that thing with han and chewy that one moment with chewy in in dire peril even though I knew, you know, he was, he's going to be fine. I really did enjoy that, though. It, it had mm-hmm. some genuine suspense to it, and I thought it was yep. very cool. Because I, I think the the added horror of that scene is Chewbacca, both the character and the actor that play him, are such gentle giants. They're such, you know, for lack of a better term, they're such sweet characters that when he he gets into that perilous moment in this book... It's almost like when you when you see a dog that's been hurt or something, your your heart goes out. You're like, oh man, that's terrible. And that moment in this book hit me probably harder than anything else that happened in the book because it's like, oh no, not Chewy, you know. And and so I really liked that moment. It became less for me of, are they going to get out of it? Because obviously they're they're going to, but more of how are they going to get out of it? And depending on how it's written and how it's read, that can be just as intense and just as satisfying. And I think for me, that was, you know, I was really focusing on how are they going to do it? And that was the journey I wanted to take. And uh, I was, I was satisfied by that. I did. I liked that. I I liked that they called upon Han's knowledge of Imperial procedures and, and the way the ship was laid out and stuff like that without directly referencing you know, the fact that at some point, and I, to my knowledge, this is still pretty nebulous, but at some point, Han must have been in the Imperial ranks. I, I've, I've heard that story. Well, at the very rumor. least, I think he was a part of the Corellian force. I mean, he wears the, basically wears like a Corellian uniform with the, the blood stripe, the pants and all that, isn't it? Isn't that Corellian? Right. Yeah, I think so. Uniform? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so at the right. very least, he's a soldier of some, in some military outfit and with the empire you know if you're in the Corellian military you're probably in the empire basically well yeah. i remember i remember hearing a rumor or a story element or something like that it hell for all i know it could have been that same interview with with lucas way back when where he talked about how vader became the way he was because he got in a fight you know, and fell into a volcano right yeah to ben, just... ben kenobi and all that but i remember a story about you know, Han had been, I don't know, an, an officer or a, an ordinary stormtrooper or something to that effect. And it was the plight of Chewie that basically turned him, you know, that he, mm-hmm. he rescued Chewie and they struck off together and, and he defected or whatever, or, you know, uh, went not defect, but went, yeah, went AWOL. You know, and I, I have no idea if that story ever became canon, but that's always stuck in my head that that was something that was tossed out there, and that's that's kind of my yeah. But I consider the origin of the character, but I don't. I have no idea if they ever canonized any of that or not. Yeah, I can't that, remember what the official quote unquote canon of, of Han Solo is outside of the movies. But but I know, just there's, the, been, I know there's been stuff written written. Obviously, there has been so right. But just the fact of of the way he acted when he was on the Imperial ships in this book just seemed to be sort of a callback to that. You know, he seemed yeah, to have a lot more to know his way around. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, 
I have real mixed feelings about this because there's parts of it I really enjoyed, parts of it I didn't, and just to just to sort of get the superficial things out of the way first. I'm I'm not a big audio. I don't not that I don't like audiobooks, but I just don't listen to them very much. So this was I think the last I listened to an audiobook of William Shatner reading you know his like Star <laughs> Trek movie logs <laughs> which was great cuz it's you know Shatner reading his own prose and just like and then and just telling stories basically and the other one I listened to was that post-apocalyptic book The Road that's coming out as a movie pretty soon and it's oh, by okay. the same guy who wrote the book that they based no what is it? No something for old men. No country for old men. No country yeah. for old men. He he wrote that book also, and that was a pretty intense audio book. But there's just there's a flavor put on them by the the person who reads it, and, and this one, the person who read it, did a really good job. He, I thought you was, listened to World War Z. Did you not listen to? That I did one? listen to World War Z. Which was okay. different because it was very much like a documentary. You know, it had different yes. different people talking and just sort of uh, relating their stories instead of a reading of prose, you know, a reading of a prose story mm-hmm. like this was. But right. some of the sound effects I liked, some of them like the people going, whoa, ah, in the background. <laughs> ah. and then there oh, was I that, loved that. My, my favorite a, element to that was uh, when the chapter tiles were read, yes. and then you had echo in the background. Yes. That was cool. Well, was you see, cool. well, here's it was cool, but at the same time, it was a little goof. It wasn't horrific to me, so it wasn't creeping me out as much as I'd hear well, the I chapter title, and I'd be waiting for it. I'd be waiting for the person screaming it in the background. But then... And, you know, I don't know if you guys go to a lot of rock concerts, but hipsters like to sort of facetiously yell Freebird at concerts. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the so Freebird the, So the last, yeah, so the last too, yeah. chapter is free. Uh, it's like chapter 57. <laughs> Freebird. Free and, and I'm sitting there going, wait free for bird. it, wait for it. Is it going to do it? Freebird! And I'm like, oh, man. That sort of took me out of it. But that was just sort of like nitpicky on the surface stuff. I think it sort of it, it did work as a Star Wars book and it did work as a horror book. The horror was admittedly a little chintzy. I think the guy relied on a little too many conventions. He used the word gobbets. I don't know how many times. And it's the kind of word that's very descriptive and it's great for a horror story because it just sounds gross Mm -hmm. and when used to describe pieces of human flesh or you know something hanging out of something's mouth it's great once from what i understand this is what he does joe schreiber is a A horror horror author from what i understand this is his first shot at star wars i believe he's just just no stephen king (laughs) right right true he was channeling stephen king very heavily well that's what i was yeah if you want to call it channeling or whatever you want to call it but by the like fourth time he used the word gobbets, I was just like, okay, I'm going to start keeping count of... I was starting <laughs> to make a mental note every time I'd hear the word gobbets. Cause, and yeah, and, and as much as channeling Stephen King or just sort of aping his, Ape, well, his yeah, style yeah, aping would seem more like it to me. You know, he, he, 
he seemed like a good writer of pulp horror, which I have right. no problem with. I actually love that shit. So I was enjoying the beginning of it because it was a pulp horror story with some gross out gore, but no sex. There's not going to be any boobies in Star Wars, but. But you but know, violence. this got me to thinking that my first thought when finishing this book was thinking back to the, to that adult themes panel that we were that we were at, you know, and and the complaint came up: when were we going to get a a serious quote unquote adult Star Wars book? This is pretty damn close. This would be a I mean, PG or an R-rated movie if you really like had the gore going as it was described in the book. Right. So I think this could be a step in in a direction of of Star Wars novels with a little more bite. If it you does know, well. Pun, pun, you know, well, we're going to get another shot at it because he is going to have another book this time next year in October of 2010. He's going to have another uh, another book out. It's it's specifically it's says on Del Rey's list that it's not a sequel to Death Troopers, although uh, Wikipedia does I thought it was a prequel. That. That's what Wikipedia listed as a prequel to it, but nowhere did I see yet that it oh, officially okay. says it's a prequel. It specifically says it's not a it's not a sequel to it, but it doesn't mean it won't be won't be a prequel. But right. we will have another Star Wars horror novel done by Joe Schreiber in a year from now. Huh. Yeah, I, I hate to good. I hate to I'm not trying to bust on them or anything, but I have noticed lately that Wikipedia's uh, info is getting spottier all the time. Yeah, and this is a very spotty. But, you know, there's not a lot of source material out there on it, so I really can't necessarily blame them for it. Right. Um, but I can't find anywhere to support their statement that it's a pre- that is definitely a prequel. I did a Google on the author himself because it was a name that I'd never heard before in, in uh-huh. reference to Star Wars or anything, and I looked him up. And you know, like you said, Ken, you know, he he's pretty much just a straight horror author, and this was his first shot at at Star Wars. That may have been where I saw the thing about the prequel too. I forget, right. but I, I know I saw that out there. But you know, what I kind of things are always sub. And change, when I saw that so. that's what he is, it kind of – everything I had said earlier about the uh, the standard horror fair suddenly made sense to me. I, of course, it's going to read just like your standard horror novel. He's a standard horror writer. He's just, like I said, changing a few words to make it more Star Wars than not. And and uh, you know maybe this next book will be a little bit, a little bit more like Star Wars, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I, I actually kind of like that idea that the horror elements in it were were to a degree – almost stereotypical of horror because when you look at the science fiction elements of Star Wars, you know, and the inspirations that, that those elements draw from with the, with the robots, ray guns, and rocket ships, it's very stereotypical, like, say, Flash Gordon serial type of thing. So right. now that you're mixing genres, I think it's actually kind of cool that the genre that the other genre that's that's mashing up with this, you're getting the stereotypical view of that genre. So I think it's actually kind of an interesting concept. I, I almost wonder where else there is to run with this idea. You know, will we see a, uh, I figured oh, hell, frankly at the I'm, end of it, I thought there was going to be, it was going to set up for a sequel towards the end. I was like, ah, this is how they're setting it up for a sequel because they, now do we want to talk about that? Because that really spoils a lot, but I, I have a, a sort of, Mild complaint it. about that. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. 
Well, well let, we let's already warned there. people this... about spoilers yeah. before, so if you're, right, if so you're when... going to read the book and you don't want to know, turn it off yes. right now. Yeah. Much yeah. as we hate to say it, turn it off and <laughs> wait till after you read the book, and then you can listen and see how much you disagree that, with us. That part where they're flying off at the end, is that the moment you're talking about that felt like, okay, this is the sequel setup? Yeah. And then all the zombies, what do they start exploding or something? Right? They just no, they, they, they just trying to shut down, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. they just sort yeah. of they just sort of can't get too far away from their source or whatever. And yeah, and, and I thought out. that was a real cop out. I thought for sure they did that because at first all their real motivation is is to get the fuck off the thing. Right. That was all yep. the motivation was was survival. So that was the distribution us, vector. Yeah, and all right. of a sudden now, if there, if the zombies are going to start spreading around and infecting the whole galaxy or universe or however, wherever they hit, obviously, if it hit like a populated area, it would be insanely destructive. So all of a sudden, I was like, okay, now they're going to have to find out a way to blow up the Star Destroyer before. Right. Before you know, what's interesting about that escape. is, uh, and, and, it, and it adds a little more motivation and a more noble cause. And he was looking to sort of redeem the character of the Doctor, right. of uh, Cody, because you know, you he she was an imperial character, so but he was trying to make her protagonist. He was trying to make her sympathetic, right? And and and, and succeeded. Yeah, it just it just, that that sort of petered out. You know the the ship's still out there, and what's just kind of funny or curious or interesting, the online video game Star Wars Galaxies, which I still can't believe is online, still is still running. Uh-huh. I guess they put a mod into the game. There's a travel warning against like this particular sector is off limits, and it doesn't say much uh-huh. more than that. So I don't know if you can actually go there in the game and then actually find your way to that ship or not, or if it's just there to say you know no don't 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 go here, just to kind of acknowledge. The book. I just found cool. that they that they, uh, they threw that in there. Yeah, it would be cool That's if you did get cool. sucked in by the star destroyer and had to fight zombies yeah. and had us. I, I really in. don't know. I don't play it. I wonder if you can actually can go there and exactly get pulled into the ship and have to uh, fight your way through. That would be. Fun. That would actually be pretty cool. That would be yeah, fun. it's a, like a mashup of like Star Wars and uh, Dead Rising, something right. like that. Oh, that'd be actually yeah, that'd be really good. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to throw it out there right now. From now on, I, I don't care what company it is. You know, the, all these little independent comic companies, Lucasfilm, whoever. If you write a zombie story from here on out, I think these guys need to be cutting Robert Kirkman a check. I honestly <laughs> do. I think he, he, at this point, I think he needs to be getting royalties because you can't tell me that this project, Death Troopers, is not a direct outgrowth of the success of Walking Dead. Yeah, but by by that token, by that token, the Walking Dead wouldn't be there without George Romero. So George Romero sure, sure. Oh absolutely. But you know I mean checks to go around. But Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, Kirkman's the one that, that really has brought zombies back. You know, made zombies a big frickin' deal again, you know? And I mean, now there's, I mean, there's zombies freaking everywhere, man. There's, you know, not only has there been, you know, a hundred thousand shitty knockoff comics trying right. to, to get a piece of that success, 
But then you got Blackest Night over at DC, and then you've got this book with with Star Wars. And I'm just saying, you know, some of these hey, bigger Deadpool's guys. Deadpool's walking are... around with his zombie head in his hand. So, I'm sorry. I said Deadpool's walking around with his zombie head in his hand. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I forgot about Marvel zombies. Yeah, absolutely. Marvel zombies. Yep. He's had what like five series now or something yeah. like that. Yeah, let's so, let's like that. not forget Zombieland, which was yep. a big hit in the movie theaters just recently. <laughs> And there's yep. a new George Romero movie coming out. Yep. So, enough, yeah. So yeah, I'm just saying, man, that, that at this point, seriously, there there needs to be uh, something. There needs to be a little bit of uh, grease and uh, grease and Robert Kirkman's you know, palm. For you know, overall. this is not this is not directly Star Wars related related to anything we're talking about, but just talking about licensing just made me think of this. It's kind of Star. It's kind of Star Wars, I guess. Google's Android cell phone software they have. I guess Verizon just launched their own Google Android phone called the Droid. Uh-huh. If you look at their marketing materials, it says right on there, Droid used under license from Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm LTD. Right, right. Ah. You never heard the term I had no Droid idea. before I, Star I had Wars. No, did we? I, I Did we really? I don't remember if we did or not. I can't believe we wouldn't have. But yeah, heard it's, it's a Android I mean, Android is yes, out that's there, but standard. Droid? I don't remember ever just see- hearing Droid. Well, I'm re- I, I think I'm it was Star Wars, to tell you the truth. But then, uh, again, by that token, shouldn't Star Wars be paying Gene Roddenberry's estate there some you go. money for tractor beams? Well, I don't not only that. tractor beams before there was Star Trek. Now everybody ha- uses tractor beams. It's a... Oh, yeah. I went back and was reading some of those Marvel comics you guys go through on your Star Wars shows. Uh-huh. And... In more than once, they've I've seen the word Borg in those yeah. Marvel Star Wars. Oh, comics. sure, and sure, warp sure. speed. Yeah, Chris, Chris, and I just uh, were talking about one of the recent issues we talked about. They uh, Luke or Han or somebody keeps talking about uh, going to light speed. They call it warp speed, and eventually they would drop that. But in those comics set between the first movie and Empire, the Empire yeah. Strikes Back, right. almost every time that they went to light speed, it was referred to as warp speed. And that's strictly Star War or Star Trek material Star Trek, right yeah. there. So yeah. Absolutely. It just cool. becomes a universally acknowledged concept. Now here's a big question. Yes. You know Lucasfilm or or whoever ultimately makes the decision on such thing they are mining so heavily everything Star Wars from from the movies to the TV show to the comics to the books and everything for toys. Uh-huh. Will we see Death Trooper action figures? I, w- I have no doubt that we will. I'm sure we will. Uh, we what will definitely see some that? sort of statue, you know, like high-end That's costing we'll statue. Right. Very no, I'm gory. talking like when you go to your local Walmart and go to the toy aisle where where a child can buy action figures. That's what I'm talking about. Do you? Think I don't think we'll see them far. I don't think we'll see the more gruesome stuff. But will we see um, broken helmet stormtrooper things yeah. like that? Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking of which, and this has absolutely not a goddamn thing to do with Death Troopers, but I've just got to oh. talk about this because I, I saw it today. And I got so excited about it, and I meant to uh, to mention it at some point, so why not here? I saw Walmart-exclusive Star Wars toys today. One of them is an AT-ST 
with um, with an exclusive figure, the driver figure. Really awesome, really nice sculpt on on both the ATST and the driver. But then they also had a patrol dewback with an exclusive oh. store, a sand trooper. And I've got to have it. I've got to fucking have it. That for a while. I was really. just talking to somebody yes. about this, like like within a day. It was probably you, so, somebody. I was it just was talking on one to of within our shows. a day or so. I think it was yeah. on the episode that we just we just listened to from last week. Yeah, yeah uh, so you're was, right. I think you had was. traded it. You had traded it for a ton. That's right. That's what it was. That's what it was with with George from uh, from Lucasfilm. You're right. And I was yeah. talking about the dewback and what a dumbass kid that I was. I traded my dewback, my beloved dewback. For a stupid tauntaun, <laughs> and I've always regretted that trade. And granted, I didn't think this—you know—this one was like super detailed and, and articulate and all that. And right. I don't think it's quite as cool looking because it's more the CGI'd do back that we got from right. the special editions. But it's still pretty cool. You know, it's got the the trooper that rides it, and you know the the bridle and harness and saddle and all that junk. It looks the, really- the figures still go into the dewback because like they couldn't really bend their legs the right way, so they had to actually have a little hole where they just stuck them inside. I wondered about that because I, I utterly failed. I didn't. It wasn't until we were gone and, and on the drive home that I thought, "Damn, I should have checked out the <laughs> legs on that trooper to see if he was actually able to stride it or not." I, I totally I bet failed he does. to know. But he probably he does. does. At this point, he probably does. Yeah. Because those toys are so much more sophisticated than the ones yeah. we had when we were kids. Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I think there's an infrastructure of the machinery it takes to make them and mold them and everything now because they've become so, you know, because those Star Wars figures were the first of those kinds of, like, action figures, like small, sort of tiny ones, you know, three or four inch ones. So, You're talking the ones like from when we were kids. Yeah, the original Star Wars figures. Oh yeah, yeah. They they laid the groundwork for that size of action right. figure. You know, so any any action figure you get today that's you know smaller than like uh, like a Mego or a, or a classic GI Joe is owed directly to those that, Star yeah. Wars figures. Yeah. yeah, those those pocket little pocket sized figures. Here's here's another thing I noticed about this book. And the and Star Wars in general is okay. People have to come up with names for these that sound like they come out of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've got people like Ben Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, Leia that are just, and Han is not even is still sort of a human name. So you just sort of have mm-hmm. characters with name names. So why don't you ever have a Frank or a a Pete or whatever. It's so they have to like bend over backwards to get get you know Kale and Trig Longo, which sounds Star Wars. It's, it has that Star Wars. Wasn't well, there a method to Star Wars naming? Isn't it like you know the street you grew up on and your dog's name? Oh no, that's something that's, else. That's that you like your porn name. Off. Never mind. That's your porn name. Yeah, but isn't Trig like the name of one of like Sarah Palin's babies or her daughter's babies or something? Isn't one oh, of them God, named I Trig? Have, oh, I. I have no yeah, idea. I think it's yeah. her. Yeah, I think it's one of her kids. Jareth Sartoris. You know exactly who that character is as soon as you see the name. That's which is completely Star Wars. So, and the and the prison ship, the Purge, evil sounding. <laughs> what was the Star Destroyer's name? I can't even remember. Oh, I don't know if um, you ever knew. Did you? You know, I 
possible. We may in not that have. trailer, I think they say it, but I, I honestly do not remember. The trailer did say the prison ship was the purge. They knew that when they made yep. it, so they may have known. Yeah. Iron something, maybe? or I can't remember. It's clearly not important to the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you notice, too, Chris, that uh, we, we got the obligatory Bantha reference in this yes, book, too? Yes, of course. I'm telling you, I really should have right from the get-go on this on this project of reading through the expanded universe. I should have been t- keeping a fucking tally because at this point, <laughs> I think there's only been one book, and it was probably in there. But I like listened to an abridgment or something. But I think there's only been one book so far in this project that has not referenced Banthas. Because at this <laughs> point, I'm actually I'm actually waiting for it when I'm listening to one or I'm reading one of the books. The I'm most just counting life form in the universe. Yeah, and I'm just when counting. When they reach a certain the, age, they explode and send themselves up like seed, like panspermia, into the sky, and then they spread think, from planet to planet like tribbles. I think See, that's a very valid theory because my theory was you. very close to that. My my theory was that there was a planet that was made of bantha, like Krypton. Like in pre-crisis continuity, when Krypton exploded, right. Kryptonite went to like every fucking planet in the yeah. in the galaxy, and Earth got the majority of it. So I think oh, it's kind of, of the same thing here. There's a giant, massive, like Big Bang-sized planet made of just like one Bantha, and it when it blew up, it just spread Bantha shit throughout like the entire fucking galaxy. Or so. I don't the know. DNA. I'm just tired of the Banthas. Yeah, I'm man. not going to be able to read a book now without thinking about thinking about that. See, no, the one I always find and I always make note of is is the reference to Nerf, and invariably, yes, someone yes. always has a Nerf steak. Yeah. Uh, in every single book I've read, someone's going to have or refer to a Nerf steak. Nerf is a is a close second to Banthas, but I, I'm serious, man. One, once you notice it, you'll never be able to unnotice it because in every freaking yeah, book, drives me there's a Bantha reference. It really does get on my nerves after a while because it's like, okay, I've said this before and I'll say it again. This is not Star Trek where they're living in a, a tiny fraction of their galaxy. You know, right. where, where they're going to encounter the same shit all the time. Star Wars uses the entire galaxy you're talking literally millions of planets you know so i mean come on you know banthas can't be that common right i mean we only ever saw them on one i don't know it well, could be i mean even about even five thousand years before uh, the battle of yavin when you go into the old republic era the Knights of republic and that you know what life and clothes and technology doesn't seem to be all that much different than it is 5,000 years later. So in, in five millennia, um, they're probably, you know, seeding galaxy pretty well. You know, the Nerf started in, or the Nerf, Nerf the Bantha started in one little area. They were all on Tatooine or whatever, and some traders like, oh, I'll take this baby Bantha with me, and we'll go over here, and we'll breed them here. And over 5,000 years, of course, they're in every corner of the galaxy. But what really um, not bothers me, but just I can't help but notice it, is the fact that there's very little change in technology or, or, or even style of dress or anything like that between you know 5,000 years ago and the Battle of Yavin era. It's crazy. Yeah, that was actually one of the things, and, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but you know about going back to that and, and not feeling much of an attachment. I, I think that they were stuck in a kind of a weird position. It's like, how far can we remove this from the Star Wars that we know to where it's no longer anything you even care about? Because 
there's my natural nothing. yeah there's only a few there's yeah. the jedi there's just a few concepts and like lightsabers and even the technology would be different so it's just right. basically a few concepts of the same and and all the characters from but the i mean you know thing are Ken, done for but ken is right i mean i've read a lot of that dark horse stuff you know the comics that they did like uh what was it tales of the i think it was tales of the jedi tales of the jedi right yeah those ones that took place way 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 before but they still have blasters, lightsabers, mm-hmm. and ships that look very much like, say, like the Millennium Falcon or something like that. And I'm thinking, Jesus, this is 5,000 years ago. My mind is pulling up something much more like our Middle Ages with, like, big broadswords and, and shit like that. But I got to thinking, if you did that, if you did, you know, a, a bunch of Jedi or whatever on some planet somewhere and they're all fighting in you know, knightly garb with big broadswords or what, ultimately, what makes that different than, like, I don't know, like fucking Conan the Barbarian? Would oh, people yeah. give a shit? Because I, I honestly wouldn't. You take the lightsabers and droids and, and spaceships and stuff out of Star Wars, suddenly I I would care even less about that than I already cared about Tales of the Jedi, simply because it was so far removed. It would have to be right. just insanely well written or something like that, you know. But it would be hard. Which I to don't get think that to, they were. Right. It would be hard to. Get, yeah. The, well, that's why there's a lot of Star Wars comics that I have that I like haven't read because I'm just you know they may be great, but well, on, I just have on no that, interest in reading them or very. Well, on that interest. subject. I bet you that Ken and I could change your mind. I bet you you could be persuaded or, or at least interested to re-examine, say, like the Star Dark Wars. Horse Star Wars comics. Because actually Ken and I uh, just were talking about that. And, uh, well, here's that conversation right now. Oh, I wanted to talk briefly about the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. Not long ago, I made a shocking discovery, a very pleasant discovery with the uh, with the Dark Horse Star Wars comics, specifically with a series called Empire. Joining me in this discussion is Ken Morgan, who's known as Logan McLeod on the comicforums.com and co-host of the Too Old to Grow Up podcast, which you can find at tooldtogrowup.com. And he's also a co-host on the Legion of Dudes podcast, which you can find at legionofdudes.com. Welcome to the show, Ken. Thank you, Scott. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great tonight. How about you? I'm doing good and looking forward to talking Star Wars. I can never talk enough Star Wars. <laughs> Me neither. So, uh, you know, we were talking uh, and discovered that uh we're, we're both discovering the uh the star wars expanded universe um i i think you're much more into it and further into it uh at this point than i am but uh i just recently made the commitment i guess you could say to get into the expanded you you know i i decided that there, there's this whole basically this whole other world this whole other side to star wars fandom that i had been denying myself all this time and i decided well I'm going to dip my toe in and see what I think. And I, and I dip my toe in with the novels by just starting chronologically at the beginning. But I dip my, my toe in with the, with the comics in a different way by just kind of blindly just trying something. And one of the first 
things I tried was an issue of uh, of Empire, Star Wars Empire by Dark Horse. And it was this great, great story told from the Empire's side. You know, it was, it was there was no rebels or you know no, none of our regular cast of, of heroes or anybody in it. It was this uh, imperial uh, like platoon or whatever down on this planet, and uh, you know they had these like rolling walker, like rolling tank walker type of things, and they're going through the jungle. And they they make a mistake. They do something that offends the local natives, and the whole storyline turned into this siege, where you know the the Imperials are just you know desperately trying to hold on and keep from being slaughtered by the natives. And there was this one character, this uh, guy called Janek Sunbear, that you really come to to like and really feel for because he's like the one Imperial guy who's just you know he's not a total asshole he he's trying to do the right thing and and everything and you know but because he's a lower ranking officer the other you know the, the higher ranking officers think he's you know a, a suck up or a newbie or whatever and they they don't treat him with any respect and everything but he was just a character i really came to to enjoy from that storyline and thought he was really neat so when i decided to go back and and reread or read rather the entire series of empire I was really excited to see him. He actually comes back again later, uh, about a year or so after that initial storyline. And they start picking up with him and make him a regular recurring character. And so, you know, you're following him and interspersed with, you know, his story. We would also get, you know, what was going on with Luke and the gang, you know, on, on wherever they were, Yavin or whatever. And their adventures. This was all taking place in that period between Star Wars and Empire. And lo and behold, there was that great story where what was it? It's like a, a fuel depot or something. Yeah, it's um. I think it might have been a fuel depot. It was uh, housing slaves. I know that much. Yeah, uh, Luke. I, Luke and his team go in to right. They they go in to like destroy it or something like that. They go in for a couple of reasons, but yeah, they're going to destroy it. They have to rescue prisoners. I think they have a spy um, who's been captured. They need to free him as well. And Luke, Luke and his team—they're all disguised as Imperial officers. So it was really cool to see, you know, the younger version of Luke Skywalker. You know, he still had kind of the, his his seventies hippie hair from when yeah. he was on Tatooine. Yet he's wearing, you know, this Imperial officer's uniform and hat. So he looked kind of funny with with his hair that way. You know, it wasn't, you know, any sort of like military regulation haircut or anything. It was like his poofy hair underneath that hat. There's an action figure for that too. It's a two pack comes with uh, him and Dina in their uh, oh, uniforms. Oh, I haven't seen. Oh, I have to get that now. I haven't seen that. That would be great. Well, you know, they're, so they're they're doing their thing and and trying to sabotage this station or whatever they do. And you see that Janet guy realize you know he recognizes luke and calls out to him and says luke luke skywalker luke turns around and looks at him and what does he say tank yep and you and i I was like holy shit all this time i had no idea who this guy was i just thought he was a really cool character you know that that you know strange that he's an imperial that you come to like but i came to like him and i thought he was cool and they tied it all together and and I loved it, man. I thought it was really, really awesome that, uh, you know, it, like you had said before we got started, you know, that there was just a throwaway line of Luke's from 
the first movie, you know, right. with, you know Biggs and Tank left, but then they turned it into this awesome story. And, and this whole story that, you know, builds up, it's like, you know, he really believes that the he's on the right side of this thing, that the Empire is doing good, bringing order, but at the same time, he's trying to live his own values and, you know, take care of, you know, people where he can. You know, there's a scene where one of the officers wants to uh, take one of the female slaves for his way, and he... he you know, stops him and rescues at gunpoint and rescues her because he knows that's just, that's just wrong. It's just not what we do because that's the values he raised with. But at the same time, you know, the empire is the law and the order, law and order in the galaxy. That's that he's on the right side. He's, he's doing the right thing. And, uh, earlier in, in empire in the series, there's a whole series with, with bigs. Yes. You mentioned bigs and bigs and tank when bigs and tank left. And you kind of see Biggs' whole career, like from being in the Academy, you know, when he defected, how he defected. There's a whole great great uh, issue where he uh, is a part of or leading assault to um, an Incom facility where they steal brand new X-Wings and get them out of there. And they're the X-Wings they use on the eventual uh, attack on the Death Star where Biggs finally dies. You know, so now we're getting the other side of that. So we've got these three friends, Luke, Biggs, and Tank. And uh, Luke's right in the middle of it, but Biggs and Tank started the same, both at the Academy, but went very different ways, both equally believing they were doing the right thing. And even Tank acknowledges this in there. It's like, you know, I hope if, if I hope Biggs, I hope you died right. I hope you died believing you, you did what was right. And if you did, what does that say about me? Yeah, yeah, that was one of the moments I really liked is where Tank realized that Luke was a rebel. And they have that confrontation, and Luke even lays it out to him that, you know, Biggs died, you know, fighting for the rebel cause, fighting for what he believed in. And it did cause Tank to basically re-examine his life and his career choice and all that. And I thought that was very good because, yeah, I think that's one of the things I liked about him right from the beginning, you know, well before I realized who he actually was, was that he, he wasn't evil. You know, he wasn't just, you know, one of these faceless evil imperials you know he he actually was a was a guy with a conscience and was trying to do the right thing i mean he actually even tried to warn them before things went down with the natives of that planet you know that that started the little war that they were in that that got so many of his men slaughtered you know he was trying to understand the situation and and deal with the situation rather than his superiors which were basically like well let's just wipe these savages out and i liked that you know that was one of the things that made him right. a likable and very human character is that he wasn't just being an, an arrogant imperial officer looking down his nose at you know these ignorant savages you know the ignorant natives or whatever i liked that angle of him but that revelation of who he actually was just completely floored me and, and caught me out of you know, completely off guard. I had no idea they were leading to something like that. And I thought it was great. You know, not, we're living in the age of spoilers. You know, when it's so hard to to read a, a comic or a book or watch a movie and not know what the big reveals are. And I had no idea that was coming. And that was actually, you know, this this series has been you know over and done with for a while now. And uh, but you know, it's, it just floored me when I got to that. Well, eventually, uh, Empire ended with that with that arc uh, in trades. It's Volume Seven. That's how I read it. And immediately when Rebellion began, they kind of split Empire off into Rebellion and uh, separately Dark Times. Dark Times takes place before Episode Three, or excuse me, Episode Four. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Rebellion continues where Empire left off. Um, the very first story arc of Rebellion 
still picks up with the same character and uh, he is apparently defecting to the rebel cause and uh, but ultimately you find he's still not to spoil the whole thing but you find he is still loyal to the Empire uh, yeah, but, he's, definitely gonna, but he's also just as conflicted I just thought of that I'm definitely going to have to throw some spoiler warnings out at the beginning yeah. of this but uh you know, I, the, the reason I decided to talk about this and spoil it as well was that I, I want people to be intrigued. You know, it, uh, just to give a, a quick bit of personal history with, with me in, in the Dark Horse Star Wars comics, you know, anybody who listens to this show knows that I'm a major fan of the Marvel comic Star Wars. You know, that was my Star Wars as a kid, you know, between the movies, it's what sustained me and kept me going. So I've got such a sentimental soft spot for that. When that series was canceled, of course, I was crushed and everything. And then years later, Dark Horse got the license and they started to put out comics. But I found their early stuff, when they first got started, to be very hit and miss. There were some really good ones, like the one with Nomi Sunrider and stuff like that. Right. So I think there were Tales of the Jedi. That's Tales of the Jedi. I'm reading yeah. that stuff in the omnibus format now. But that takes so far in the, in the past as it relates to, to Star Wars as we know it you don't really see a lot of what you might recognize. Yeah, there's things right. called Jedi and Sith, but it's it's a whole different take. But it started very well, I thought, because that actually started as a as a and you know, in uh, as a small strip in an anthology title. May have been Dark Horse Presents, I forget, but it it was just a couple page strip in one of their titles and then eventually it got its own well, what they would do is they would put out mini series. Mm-hmm. There'd be like a I think it was like six issue mini series at a time. And I just I hate to say it, but as time went on, each subsequent miniseries just seemed to get worse and worse. The the art values went down. The stories seemed to get more confusing or convoluted or just sometimes just outright goofy. And I just started to lose interest in them. And and that was kind of my feeling with the novels, too, is that you know I, I felt like the novels, the, the early expanded universe novels did the same thing. So that's really why, for me personally, I wrote the the expanded universe off for so long is just something I just wasn't interested in. To me, the quality just wasn't there. And I was kind of similar in that, that I never even, well, I never really even read the expanded universe because I, I just had no time for it, no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't Star Wars. Star Wars is a very specific story to me. It was, originally it was the story of Luke Skywalker. And then as the prequels came out and I really started to just digest them. And, and I will say, Honestly, I like the prequels. You know, warts and all. Yeah, there's problems, but as an overall story across six movies, it's it, it's it's a great story of the rise, the fall, and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Absolutely. That's Star Wars. That's Star Wars to me. Absolutely, nothing else that doesn't add to that. I'm not interested. Even initially, the Clone Wars, the movie and the quote unquote movie and the TV series, I wasn't so much interested in because what could they do to expand the character? Because we know how it ends. We know where it's going to end up. You know, then I can't really put them in jeopardy that they're not going to get out of. So where's it going to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come around that a little bit, but around the same time, I discovered some other things and I realized, well, wait a minute. And this is where the switch kind of went off for me. That's a great story. It's an excellent story. But the Star Wars universe, the galaxy, it's bigger than just those people. Right. And as I read, in fact, you know, it's funny you mentioned Empire was, was the first one that got you back in. I picked up volumes one or two, uh, one or two of Empire um, as my first real imprint into uh, the expanded universe along with one of the audiobooks of one of the later expanded universe books and I'm like alright these are actually pretty good and it was that big that dark lighter special uh, right. trade that really got me full force and now I have like every trade that's been published almost 
Um, I mean, I won't profess to have read. As a matter of fact, I haven't really read much of the the Dark Horse stuff between that gap when I initially quit Mm -hmm. and when I discovered Empire. But to my mind, Empire is that 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 delineating mark. You know what I mean? It's that period where they started getting it right. You know what I mean? Because to me, the, the, the three things that, that make great comics to me is you've got to have great stories, you have to have great art, and you have to have a tight continuity. And that wasn't the case, you know, at the time that I quit with the Dark Horse, com- you know, the Dark Horse Star Wars, the early stuff, I felt like the stories were eh, I felt like the art was crap, to be honest, and I felt like the continuity, it's not that there wasn't internal continuity, but it, like you say, it was so far removed. Mm-hmm. It was like, what was it, like 5,000 years or right, something exactly. before Luke and them. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel any connection with it. It, it. it felt like Star Wars in the trappings of having lightsabers and spaceships, but you know, you didn't have Luke. You didn't have R2 and 3 You didn't have anything recognizable mm-hmm. that, that made me emotionally invested in it, so I wrote it off. But when I discovered Empire... I mean, bang, bang, bang. It had all three. I mean, the stories were fantastic. The art is top-notch. And it's set right in my era. You know, the that, yep. that period between Star Wars and Empire, to me, is still such fertile ground for great stories. You know, as well as it's been covered by books and comic series in the past and everything else, I still am a sucker for stories set in that era. And that's fantastic. That, that, that's perfect. I was the same way, and that's what got me in there. And the more I read, especially as I got out beyond, in terms of timeline, beyond um, Return of the Jedi, as I started reading, I know I've read or listened to a lot more of um, EU stuff than you have, but as I get into like Jedi Academy and New Jedi Order, and they refer to different things in the past, like Exar Kun, who was in Tales of the Jedi, that comic you started with mm-hmm. and, and, and wrote off, they referring to things like that, I became more and more interested in those things, and now I have that's what I'm reading. I have the omnibus Tales of the Jedi Volume One that I'm reading right now to kind of get that information. So while yes, I can see yes, the art's not that great, um, or it's it's different, or it's not Luke, it's not C-3PO, but I also have that frame of reference, that continuity that I know where it's going or where it came from. I want more of that. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and, yeah, and, I, yeah. If the, if all that stuff ties back in, then yeah, I mm-hmm. could I could definitely see that. Then I would be reinvested in going back and, right. and catching up the stuff that I missed. Absolutely. Yep. And that's kind of, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm going reading some of the back stuff as I as I go forward with the, with the new stuff that's coming out as well. And, and Lucas Licensing does a great job of kind of keeping this as tight as they can. I mean, there's different levels of continuity, and not to plug my show on yours. No, go ahead. Absolutely. But, um, we did uh, over at Tool to Grow Up. We did a couple episodes of uh, Star Wars. Yes, uh, they're fantastic. I have oh, listened to both of them, and I really, really enjoy them. Especially your um, your EU one, right? Because you know it was it was giving me some stuff, some information I did not know, and, and it made me interested. You know, it, it helped me keep to my commitment to really get into this stuff. You know what I mean? Because cool. every once in a while, you hit that clunker. Yeah, you, know, you hit that bad novel or or that that series that you know in the comics or, or whatever that just makes you go, jeez, you know this mm-hmm. is uh, I don't know about this. So it, it really helped me see that you know okay you you're, you're going to occasionally get the you know the the Spock's brain episode or whatever, but you know <laughs> you're going to be able to get past it. You know what right. I mean? Right. 
Right, and, and to that, I just want to say, episode 58, we did over to OldergroUp.com. Um, that is the EU episode, and I kind of go through the different levels of, con- of canon as it relates to uh, Star Wars continuity. Those Marvel comics that you've talked about, I guess they'd be in, like, you know, secondary canon. It's, like, old or less accurate. Um, movies are number one. If it's on film, um, it right. trumps everything. So if something in a book uh, contradicts, especially a book that came out be- before the prequels, if they do something there that kind of contradicts what happened in a movie, movie wins out. Right. Uh, and, and, it go, and it goes from there. Um, but that's why you'll get, you know, well, hey, I want to write a book and I want to use something with XR Kuhn, for example. It's like, okay, here's a database. Here's everything that was written on XR Kuhn before. And this is what's been published. This is what ha- you, if you can't go against this, but you can right. add to it. Or, or for example, and that's unique because you've got comics, you have books. Um, you have video games that tie in that, that all have to tie, have to work with this, and even even that last game that came out recently, um, uh, the Force Unleashed, which they introduced this uh, secret apprentice of Vader's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, an Empire. Not God, we're going on such tangents. Um, no, no, go ahead. In, in Empire, when uh, Vader is trying to recruit Luke to go up against the Empire, the Emperor with him will rule the will rule the galaxy together as father and son. That's not the first time he tried that trick. Oh, and in the game, the Force Unleashed, and the comic that went with it, and the novel that went with it, you get a story of of one of his prior attempts, uh, which was uh, which was kind of cool. See, I'm really but, looking forward to getting into that because I'm I'm hoping to get my my kids have been begging for that game, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. to get them that for Christmas. But also, um, I, I have an awful hard time getting Scotty, my oldest, to read. But uh, that book, um, the Force Unleashed novel, I saw it at Walmart for, I don't know, like five, six bucks. And I thought, hmm, I've got an idea. So I snagged that book and I gave it to him and I said, I want you to read this. And he kind of looked at me like, oh, I don't want to read. And I was like, I tell you what, you read this book, I'll let you come on the show and talk talk with me about it. And he's like, oh, all right. So now he's now he's <laughs> nice. that book, you know, but I'm looking forward to reading it myself because I'm everything i've heard about it and i've tried to stay away from spoilers but everything i've heard about it sounds like it's fantastic so i'm really looking forward to yeah it's 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 good i mean it's it's a different different story but it's like i said it's not very first book, but, but again it's got to kind of sink in and lucas had a, had a degree of uh of input in that um i was reading uh um i think if the forward maybe in the comic i was reading about it he was talking about the uh one of the writers of the game, or whatever, because it started as the game project, and they kind of expanded it to there mm-hmm. uh, how it uh, how it uh, went in there. Anything major, anything major is going to happen. George Lucas has to be involved, right? Um, you know, I so would... there 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 are a couple a couple of like if they want to kill a character, he's got to sign off on it. I remember. We're, 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 I can't wait till we get to it on the show because I, I, some of my memories are, are so vague of some of the later Star Wars stories in, in Marvel Comics. But I remember in annual, I think it was annual number three, Vader took an apprentice. And I don't remember that story really going anywhere beyond that annual. And I'm, I'm really, I got to re-examine that and see. Now I'm wondering if there's any parallels or anything between that and this this Force Unleashed story. Probably not, but I'm just curious now because I specifically remember him taking a male um, apprentice in that in that story, and it was actually pretty good. The art was a little weird for that one, but something to something to check into anyway. Uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you: um, the only series I ha- that I'm interested in still from Dark Horse that I still haven't made it to yet um, in my reading list 
is the one that started out called Star Wars, and then later they changed it to Star Wars Republic. Have you read that one? I have not gotten to that one yet, no. Yeah, it um, looks really fantastic. Yeah. Um, I was at a one of those small local cons, you know, that comes around, you know, where it's mostly just a bunch of back mm-hmm. issues, you know, they don't have, like, celebrities or anything. Right. I was at one uh, a couple months back, and a guy had uh, a run of those Republic ones, and it was set in Clone Wars. So it had Anakin and, and those characters in it. And I flipped through it just to, to try to get a feel for what it was. Because I, I hadn't really ever seen the title before. And just looking through it and looking at the art just impressed the hell out of me. It looked gorgeous. So I, I, now that's my next project when I'm, when I'm finally read through uh, you know, all the other... Because I'm, I'm almost finished with Rebellion... And then I want to read um, the Dark Times. I think I'm going to wait in on Invasion because that takes place, to my understanding, tied in with like that that much New later. Jedi, yeah. yeah, it ties in with New Jedi Order. It's uh, uh, I'm reading that now as it comes out. In fact, we're discussing that over at Legion of Dudes as well. We've been doing uh, we have two episodes out on now. We have a third one coming up. We're also doing big big reviews on Vector, which was a crossover series among yeah. all their books, which is which is very good as well. Now, do you think you have to be invested in the other series to to really appreciate Vector, or does it read pretty well if you've, you're only familiar with one or two of the titles that it crosses it, over with? It reads pretty well on its own. Um, for the most part, they give you what you need um, to understand, like of the different characters in, say, Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. because they're probably they're going to be the most uh, unfamiliar to you. The, the, if you know Star Wars, you, you'll know what's going on in Dark Times and what's going on in Rebellion in those mm-hmm. segments. The the story has the most impact two nights of the Republic and then at the end of the story with Legacy. Right. Um, if, if for no other reason than with Rebellion and Dark Times, there's only so much you can do. We, we know how those character stories end. Right, so yeah. They can't really impact too much. And, and they really don't. It's almost like, okay, we're going to pass through here and, and then move on. Um, they did a good job if you were reading those stories of not interrupting the flow of those their story arcs to make this happen. In fact, they integrated it pretty tightly during the lead up to it uh, to when to when Vector was going to actually hit that title it, that it that it fit in with what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, when you get to Knights of the Old, Old Republic, um, you may not know everybody, and this one, there's a couple of characters who might come off as as pretty strange or out of place um, if you don't know who they are without the benefit. In fact, when we discussed that in Legion of Dudes, one guy who had not read the, the other ones, he's like, "Okay, I feel better about that guy now because of what you just said about him." You know, because when they first read, it's like you know he seemed like just like a money grubbing you know thief, you know <laughs> the, Han, the Han Solo analog, if you will. Oh, okay. Which is more than that. It's like he was trying to like pigeonhole different characters, which, to be fair. There's a form of the Star, the Star Wars. I mean, you bring re- these these seemingly random people together to then go on to greatness. That's exactly how the whole first arc of Knights of the Republic was. You have you know a Jedi, a thief, um, uh, a smuggler, and a um, and um, a woman uh, I forget, uh, who was paired up with the other guy coming together, and now they're going off on their wacky adventures. Hmm. But as you get into Legacy, that's the one where you might want to have read more before because. Of any of them, Vector has the most impact specifically on Legacy and where it goes and goes goes f- forward to that. So I've been avoiding that one and, and avoiding spoilers 
only because I want to be read up on everything else before I get there. So even though I've got people that are begging me to read that because they want to hear my take on it, I'm like, no, guys, you got to be patient. I, I got to put it off because, I mean, I, I'm just that, that anal retentive fanboy part of me. I've got to read this stuff in some kind of order. I can't yep. just jump around, so I've got to read it chronologically. So it's going to take me forever to get there, but I'll get there eventually. <laughs> and I can see what you're saying. I jumped right in, and I read stuff, and I enjoyed it, and... You know, kind of, kind of like I mean, I've I've only read Crisis on Infinite Earths like five years ago. That's the first time I read it. So I didn't read it in the eighties, mm-hmm. and I read it and I enjoyed it and I liked it a lot. But since then, I've learned so much more about DC that when I go back and read it again, I get so much more out of it right. because now I know people. Well, when I read Legacy, I'm like, okay, it's good. I like that. I like that. Well, as I was reading the New Jedi Order and I get across this one area, I'm like, wait a minute, and I grab a Legacy book and I flip them like, that's that's that person and that's here and like and like. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. That's great. I, I mean, it ties in so much that, you know, when you go through that, you'll see that and you'll get it firsthand. You'll be like, oh, that's that person. I remember that. And, and it's really, it goes to what I was saying, how it's so tightly woven um, across books, comics, you know, game. It doesn't matter. It's one continuity. It all counts. And, it, it and is. that's great. It is. It, it, what it, it really feeds my... I've got this thing where I, I have this attachment to the most obscure of characters. And Star Wars is perfect for that. You know, where you can focus in on, you know, like the bounty hunters have always been so popular with people. And I mean, what do they have? A couple seconds screen time at yeah. most in Empire. Yet people latched on to characters like Bosk and IG-88. And they're, you know, I, I say bounty hunter, what do you think? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett was a throwaway character, and you knew. You, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but what was his first appearance? Oh, the holiday special. The holiday special. He came out of the. He came out of an expanded universe thing, but for the most part, right? I mean, not not really that. Lucas, as much as he wants, wants to forget it, it, he touched it. So it, it, it happened. That's main canon. Yeah, it happened. I don't care what Lump, he says. Lumpy Lumpy has appeared later on in in EU stuff. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, he exists. Yeah, I'm you excited it, about that. In fact, there's a great—I forget what his his quote unquote real name is—but there's a great moment in I forget which book, but Leia calls him Lumpy, and he kind of growls a little bit. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I, I really shouldn't use that childhood term anymore." However, they they worded it, but it was they they still made the nod. That's cool. Yep, that's very cool. Well, if it, you might be able to answer a question for me, actually, if you, if you're pretty read up on the expanded universe stuff. I'm a huge fan of Star Tours, the the ride. Yeah. And I've heard that a couple of the Zahn novels actually tried to tie Star Tours in and, and actually make it some sort of canon. And do, do you know anything about that? Have you, you read know what? that? Offhand, I cannot think of that. I have been on Star Tours exactly twice, and it was during the same visit like 15 years ago, however long it was. Oh, okay. So, in fact, I, I there's a good chance I actually might be going back to, to Disney um, after they reopen it next year. You oh, had, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, the so, 2.0, yeah. Yeah, in fact, you know what? Complete aside, I, I remember a couple years ago when the fir- when this resurgence of 3D in the theaters was first starting to take hold. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the first rumors or maybe the second round of rumors about reissuing Star Wars and 3D came up. Mm-hmm. I heard a story of how um, the guys at LucasArts, they went ahead and made a test and they made a 3D they took the whole pod racing sequence and did it in 3D and Lucas saw it and he liked it and he said okay run with it, keep developing this and then I see 
uh, however long, long ago it was a few weeks ago, the footage of the Star Tours thing. Right. They show the footage, and it's this pod racing sequence, and I'm like, how much you want to bet that's the exact same test footage Probably, yeah. that they used to show Lucas way back when? I wouldn't be surprised. Or at least cleaned up, I and mean, so. Um, that should be pretty cool, but it, it's about time they redid it. I think they didn't they make Star Tours designed to, to change and be modular, but it just never happened because they kind of split apart from something. I'm not sure. I you know I, all I know is it's been essentially the same ride now yeah, since it has it's been. debuted in what was that eighty whatever it was the late eighties because I was in the service yep. at the time. I remember there was a an issue of Starlog that I still have somewhere with C-3PO, George Lucas, and Mickey Mouse on the cover of it, <laughs> where, the, yeah. where Star Tours debuted. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, this was at a time when, I, you know, Disney was, you know, crap to me. I, it was something I could care less about. Right. But even then, I remember, you know, I, I got that issue and read it, and I was like, wow, I would love to go there now just for that. You know, and of course, today, you know, I've completely changed on a major disney world fanatic but it was just so cool to to finally get to to ride that thing and everything but yeah it's been so long I, the only thing i remember was c3po was your tour guide and that's about it <laughs> i have to dig up uh, i've got a i've got the actual film of that somewhere oh really uh, as, a, as a avi or something i'll have to send it off to you if i can find it on one of my millions of discs around the house i know i've got that somewhere the actual ride video for that that was just an aside. I was just curious. Oh, okay. The canonicity of the events depicted in Star Tours ride has been disputed for many reasons, the most obvious being the inclusion of the, the Death Star. Right, yeah. Uh, now, I'm uh, pretty sure Star- that he's, he made some sort of nod to it in one of his novels, but I haven't actually read the, the whichever one it is. It's it's either the... It's one of those ones like Spectre of the Past, Vision of the Future. It's one of those this, two this, books. This that... might be it. This might be it. The Death Star seen in the ride video has been considered by some to be the Death Star prototype as seen in Jedi Search and Champions of the Force. And its destruction to be a depiction of the prototype's destruction at the Maw. So, while not explicitly said in those books that it was the same thing, some people have hmm. considered that to be it. Okay. Um, others have suggested that Death Star is one of the modified habitation spheres seen under construction over Coruscant. Um, whatever. So, it's um, yeah, that's probably the closest thing I see related to uh, how it was brought into play. But that that, that could be. But again, it doesn't really doesn't really jive. <laughs> I think that's about all the time we have for this segment. But uh, in short, you know, I want people to check out the uh, expanded universe stuff, particularly the uh, the Dark Horse comics, the Star Wars stuff that's coming out. You know, the uh, I'm really into the Clone Wars um, series that Dark Horse is putting out right now. Really enjoying that. So check it out. And uh, Ken, thanks for joining me on this segment, man. Anytime you want to come back and talk uh, Star Wars comics, uh, Star Trek, anything like that, man, you're always welcome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I I don't get to talk Star Wars nearly enough, so I welcome every opportunity. When I was, it was great to be here and talk to somebody who's uh, as passionate and as knowledgeable with it as I am. Not that I'm no much, but <laughs> I'm, I'm still still learning myself. But it's, it's, it's just fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a major Star Wars geek. I, I don't pretend to be any kind of expert. I just yeah. I love my Star Wars <laughs> and love to talk about it. I, I have yet to find a worthy opponent from my Star Wars True Pursuit set, so... Oh, oh, I don't know. I might just have to take that challenge. Now. All right. 
It's been a while since we've done uh, since we've had a trivia episode, but that that sounds like okay. That sounds like a challenge right there because I'm right, the same well. way. You know, a couple weeks ago, uh, I, the the kids kept begging me one night. You know, let's play a game, Dad. Let's play a game, Dad. And, and I said, Well, what do you want to play? All right, I'll play a game. They said, well, let's play Star Wars trivia. So they dug out the Star Wars trivia. They set the board all up and everything. We rolled to see, and we, we do it all very diplomatically. We rolled to see who goes first. I rolled the high number, so I get to go first. Fifteen minutes later, the game was over, and no one else had ever had a turn. <laughs> nice. And I got the I got the look from the kids. So now when I when we play, I play under severe handicap. You know what? Oh, nice. You know, I, I, I can't answer more than one consecutive question. Yeah. I've got to fill two entire pies and all these crazy rules that make me play. I was going to say, yeah, do you have to answer each, each pie question twice before you actually get your piece? <laughs> oh, that's a good way to do it too, yeah. Actually, most people I've seen or I've seen some people play where um you can you keep going until you get one wrong or until you get a piece and then your then your turn's over. Yeah, we we go as long as you keep getting questions right, you get you keep going, but they won't let me play that way that way anymore. I, I get one one question and then that's it, it's somebody else's turn whether I get it right or wrong. One of the ways that I've I've seen some people play just to kind of keep prevent that running of the board is that you can answer as many questions as you can up until you get a piece and once you get that piece it's time for the next person to go and then when it's your turn again you you can go as long as long as you can until you get a piece then you got to stop uh, yeah i think that's a very diplomatic way to play it i yeah i might i might try to run that one by them the next time if they'll <laughs> ever sit down and play with me again but uh right well, definitely, we'll, have, we'll definitely have to have a, a Star Wars uh, trivia night because it's been a long time since we've done trivia, and that was one of our most popular uh, episodes we ever did was the, the was trivia episodes. So. Well, here's what we do. You've got your set. I've got my set. So we should get one set of cards and uh, just honor system. We can do that, you know. Absolutely. You know, just, just pull a card out, you know, maybe roll the dice just to get which question of the card gets asked. Right, right. Know, yeah, and, that's how we did it before. And yeah. then go from there. Absolutely. I'm game, man. All right. All right. You you guys heard that, so that, that'll be that'll be coming along. We'll have the uh the challenge. <laughs> That's right. For the honor of of our of our respective shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thanks you thanks for joining me in this segment. I really do appreciate it and uh, and look forward to having you back for uh for some more geek talk later on. Absolutely. Anytime. Cool. has been the Orca Book Club. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. twotruefreaks.libsyn.com is spelled T-W-O T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsyn, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1585-COP-LURE. That's 1585-267-5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? 
Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. But wait, there's more! Two True Freaks is very proud to present a sensational new group, 